Are you a friend of God? for God is my friend. Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. And the pastor was working late one Saturday night, so late about 10, 11 o'clock at night, and he decided to call his mother. So he picked up the church phone and he called his mother, and the phone just rang and rang and rang, and rang. And he was worried. He said, I know mama's at home. She's not out anywhere this time. He was just worried about his mother. So he just let the phone just keep on ringing. I know my mama's got to be there. And he just let it ring, and ring, and ring. And mama never picked up. So he hung up the phone, and he worried, and he thought, whew, boy, what done happened to mama? He said, I know mama there. So he dialed again. And on the second time that he dialed, his mother picked right up. And he said, Mama, why didn't you answer the phone? I just called. I let the phone ring for five or ten minutes. You didn't email. What happened? Why you didn't answer the phone? Mama said, the phone never rang. But I just called. It never rang. So they couldn't figure this out. And pastor came in on Monday. And there he was sitting in the church office and the phone rang. And there was a man on the other end of the line. He said, did you call me Saturday night? And the pastor said, no, I don't even know who you are. Who are you? He said, somebody from this number called me Saturday night. He said, oh, I must have misdialed the number. I was trying to call my mother and she didn't answer. And I called back again and she answered. So I must have misdialed the number. And the man said, let me tell you my story. I was sitting here on Saturday night. And I was so depressed. To be honest about it, I was just thinking about ending it all. Stuff was just going all wrong in my life. And stuff was just happening to me. And I was getting all depressed. It looked like I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel. And I just prayed. I said, Lord, if you out there, if you don't want me to do something horrible to myself, if you out there, give me a sign. And he said, right as I asked God, the phone rang. And I looked on my caller ID and the phone said, God Almighty. And it just scared me to death that God Almighty was calling me. And see, the man's name of his church was the God Almighty Tabernacle of Christ. Sometimes God reaches out to us in varying ways. And today I want to talk about the Harvard study of adult development. Now, this is the longest running study on happiness. And they have finally unlocked the secrets to happiness. This study followed 724 men since they were teenagers. And the study started in 1938. The men came from all economic backgrounds, from the poor to the rich. Even President John F. Kennedy was included in that group among some of the rich folk. But it covered poor and rich. So they would have all demographics on the longest running study of happiness in the U.S. 
And since 1938, the Harvard research team has collected data and personal health information. They ask the members every two years and their families questions about their mental, emotional, and physical health every two years. And the research yielded two main reasons for happiness over all of these years since 1938. The number one reason I'm going to talk to you about today. The second reason I am going to talk to you about in the next message. Now, today's message is number 5972, 5972. The next message will be message number 5973. So if you're listening to this message now, after it has been spoken, you can hear the next message and the second most important reason for happiness by just going to brothersoftheword.com and searching for sermon 5973. And that will be the second message. Now, the main thing that the Harvard research found, the number one key to happiness, and this is nothing religious, is nothing spiritual. This is all psychological data research from the Harvard research team stretching back to 1938. So from 1938, they've gone through war, they've gone through depression, they've gone through all kind of economic cycles, all kind of stuff. The number one thing they found that contributes to happiness are relationships. The study says personal connection creates mental and emotional stimulation which are automatic mood boosters, while isolation is a mood buster. Project director Dr. William Waldinger told the Harvard Health blog. In other words, if you've got good relationships and close contact with folk, it helps your mood, it boosts your happiness, but if you're all alone and isolation, it results in an increased probability of depression. The association between happiness and close relationships like spouses, family, friends, and social circles was found to be incredibly strong. I remember when I read the book called The Great Cholesterol Myth, and it was a medical book dealing with cholesterol, but but it had all of this documentation and all of these studies. And I remember there was this one city that for some reason the doctors could not explain in the researchers why they had almost a non-existent level of heart disease. And the folk ate like everybody else. They couldn't understand it. So they sent research teams in to find out why does this city have such a ridiculously low level of heart disease compared to everyone else? And when they went in and they did the heavy analysis, what they found, this little bitty city had an extremely tight social network. And the men and the women would sit around for hours every day just talking and laughing and fellowship. And they were so closely bonded and they they were such good friends that somehow they saw the social networks insulated them from heart disease. When I read the book, The Blue Zone, which deals with all of the advanced age cultures all over the earth, and the scientists went in to study, they found they had seven factors that were universal among all of the Blue Zone people. And one of those factors, they all had strong social networks. They had good, close friendships. And it made a difference whether the friend was a spouse or a relative or some classmate or somebody else. They all had good social relationships. And the study said the goal should be to strengthen those bonds and trim the fat, that is, the toxic or negative people in your life you need to get rid of. 
So what all these Harvard folk found out over all of these years with all of this data is basically you need good folk in your life and bad folk out. Is that clear? You need good folk in your life and you need bad folk out of your life. And you can immediately think without a whole lot of stress and strain who the good folk are in your life and who the bad folk are, who you can depend on, who you can count on. And, you know, one good way to tell which is which is how you feel the instant you see them. They give you a real good. You don't even have to think about it. There are some folk that when you see them, an automatic smile comes on your face. There's an automatic glow. And there's some folk when you see them, you know, it's like. You understand what I mean? It's some folks, when you just come in their presence, it's like, you know, it's just like his, my daddy used to call it, my daddy, he said, some folks make you feel like you just covered with honey and it's a swarm of flies after you. (laughs) And some people, they make you feel on top of the world and others make you feel like the world is on top of you. And all of this study all boils down to having good folk in your life and bad negative folk out of your life. And the study says this, a good way to broaden your circles is to go to events or volunteer at organizations that align with your interest, which increases your chances of meeting like-minded people. Go to places and do things with folk who think like you do. That's why it's good to be in church. And even I travel a whole lot now, but I'm narrowing my traveling companions to basically nothing but ministers. And I got one other friend who actually I let stay with me for a year. And the only person who's ever lived with me other than my wife, I let stay with me is this one fella and the rest of them all ministers. And I found that you need like folk who think like you, even in terms of thinking like you by God. Because when they think differently about you by God, they're going to throw you off track. And it'll throw you off track and you'll find yourself drifting further and further away from God, drifting closer and closer to demonic and messed up. And sometimes it turns you so slow. Be careful who you run with. Be careful who you hang around with because their mess will get on you. And before you know it, your whole mind and spirit has been corrupted by subtle associations. So let me rephrase that. Now, I'm not just traveling with ministers. I'm traveling with good ministers. Because I don't trust all preachers by a long shot. I absolutely do not. So you need to travel with not just travel through life with good folk and eliminate the toxic people from your world. And God even spoke. He said, when you travel, I want you to go 80 percent of the places you go by yourself unless you take the woman. And that's my good baby. So I try to get my good baby to go everywhere. But my good baby still won't travel much with this pandemic in the picture. But anyway, that's another whole story. But he said, I want you to go 80 percent of the places you travel by yourself. And as James and I, we were discussing the Harvard study the other day because they come out with the new findings every two years. And it's all been the same. It's all been the same. Relationship has been number one through all these years. It's all been the same. It's all been the same. So we were talking about this. And and then the revelation came. Even though I've got good friends, they say, you know, the relationship with God is better than any relationship with man. James chapter 2 verse 20 says this. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? 
Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. My good baby the other day, she asked me, she said, you just hear from God so much. Everything you say, everything you think is spiritual. And you think God just controls everything. I do. I absolutely do. So why do you hear so much from God? I just do. And I realized that the close association keeps me happy because I am never alone. I am never alone. And when you realize that, it just changes things. I am never alone. Pastor James and I, we have been super close for over 35 years. We talk several times a day. We've never had an argument. As a matter of fact, we're members of this business CEO group. And when we first joined the group, they gave everybody a test. Of basically, it was how well they worked together. And our test score of working together was so far off the scale. James, what did the man say? He said, y'all must have cheated. He couldn't believe that the scale, it was so far off the scale, the man could not believe. And we just couldn't convince him that we weren't cheating. He said, y'all are so in sync. Your minds and your results are so high on compatibility and working together and thinking alike. There's no way. And the man just said, look, this man, he had taught in business schools. He said, no one has ever scored this high. And he just told the whole group, they have to have cheated. (laughs) He told the whole group, they had to have cheated because there's no way they could have a score like this if they didn't cheat. And we didn't cheat just in case you're wondering. (laughs) And yet, even though we have had this Super close relationship. I want you to read or hear what Proverbs has to say. This is Proverbs 18, 24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. If you have a friend up above, you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. If you have a friend in Jesus... If you have a friend in God, you have a friend that sticks closer than the closest brother. James knows some of my secrets. God knows all of my secrets. And he's still my friend. See, some of y'all would lose your friends if they knew all your secrets. God knows all of my secrets. And he is still my friend. And everywhere I go and everything I do, I know I have my friend with me. And I begin to understand when God says you go 80% of your trips alone. It was not 80% of my trips alone. You go 80% of your trips with me. And you've seen sometimes even when I preached on the road, everything I do, everywhere I go, I'm being led by God. And God will tell you, do this, you go there. And it's a comfort to know. My son, George, and I, we were coming back from out of town on yesterday. And it's a five and a half hour drive back. And I just heard God say, you stop at this restaurant and eat. We got there to the restaurant. The restaurant was crowded. They were understaffed. And we stood there at the door waiting in line to be seated for 30 minutes. And I told George, I said, yeah, we could have gone to another restaurant, but this is where God told us to be. And I don't know why he told us to be here. 
And the minute they sat us down, the waitress came over and she said, you don't want anything to drink? I'll get you a drink. And I said, no, we ready to order right now. We know exactly what we want. <laughs> so we gave the waitress our order. Even though we had stood waiting to be seated for 30 minutes, our food was back in five minutes. And it was something about it. God has had me giving these exorbitant tips. I said, number one, he knew that the time we spent waiting would be made up by how quickly our food was delivered. And this waitress may need this super tip that I'm going to leave. You never know the reason. And I still don't know now why God had us go to that restaurant and wait. But God knows. But the point is, he was with us. My friend was with us. Everywhere I go, everything I do, God is with us. It is the most powerful relationship that you can have. If you have a friend in heaven, you've got the most powerful relationship. And even though you may have some awesome earthly relationships, there's nothing like having a friend. And God is your friend. George was telling me as I discussed it with him on the drive back. He said there are some monks and they pray three hours a day, but they don't know God. And he said, there are some preachers and scholars and they know scripture and they know nuance of scripture and exegesis of scripture, but they have no prayer life. We pray to God and wonder, why does God speak to some but not others? Yet we never open the word, which is God speaking to us. You've got to spend some time with your friend. If you want Jesus and God to be your friend, you've got to spend some time with your friend. You've got to spend time. Friendship automatically results in quality time spent with them, not time when just you run into trouble and now you're going to get on your knees. You need to spend time in the word and time with God. And see Elijah's last message, number 7063, called learning to hear God's voice. He says this, he says, you don't necessarily have to run around trying to get a word from the Lord. Maybe you need to sit down and read the Bible because there are 66 books of his word speaking to you. Are you a friend of God? Joseph Scriven was born in Ireland in 1819. After graduating with a teaching degree from Trinity College in London, he fell in love and made plans to marry and settle down. It was not to be. The day before the wedding, his fiancée drowned in a terrible accident. Devastated, Joseph left Ireland and moved to Canada, where he became a private tutor. Eventually, he fell in love with another young woman and asked her to marry him. But just weeks before their wedding, she contracted pneumonia and died. The shattered man took a vow of poverty, sold all of his worldly possessions, and dedicated the remainder of his life to helping those who were weak, sick, and impoverished. A few years later, Joseph received word that his mother had fallen ill and was dying, but because of his vow of poverty, he did not have the money to go back to Scotland to care for her. Heartbroken, he wrote about his only comfort in a poem that was later put to music. Two decades later, the American evangelist D.L. Moody came across the song and was so touched by the words that he gave it a national platform. That song was what a friend we have in Jesus. He lost two women who he loved. He lost his mother, so he lost three women. But when he had lost all of his earthly friends, he had Jesus. 
And that friend in Jesus is more valuable. It is more important. It will bring you more happiness and more joy than any earthly relationship. God is my friend. God is my friend. God is my friend. If you'd like to listen to this message in its entirety, you can go to brothersoftheword.com. You can hear this message and the next message, which will be part two. The second most important thing to happiness, according to the Harvard study. Go to brothersoftheword.com. I thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the word. I'm going to ask Christian to... Are you ready? It's an old Tulane song. (laughs) What a friend we have in Jesus. All our griefs. It's an old-fashioned song, but it is a powerful song. Come on, sing. Amen, amen, amen. I said, be ye also ready. Dinah was ready. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen.
Well, we thank Pastor for this awesome, awesome message today. I'm just a friend in Jesus. God is my friend. And even my father, when he left Kelly, Georgia, down south of Georgia, his parents gave him three principles to take with him. And that was be honest, work hard. The third one was keep good company. And that keep good company. They didn't know about all of this Harvard study. But they understood that who you have around you, those relationships, they would increase your happiness. They would increase your wisdom, your counsel, the direction that your friends were moving in. It would pull you in that direction. So they understood that of keeping good company. And they sent him to Atlanta. And that wisdom guided him. He came here with $20 and turned it into millions. But he kept good company. He went to Morehouse College and he made friends with Benjamin Mays and, and that expanded him. He made friends with the civil rights leaders and it expanded him. So that advice of keeping good company it enriched his life. And then in the Bible, you know, Enoch is, talks about how he walked with God even as a friend and He walked so close with God that God just said, come on, friend, and took him up without having to experience death. And Jesus, when he was asked about the commandments in Matthew 22, he basically gave you two things that hung all of the law and prophets. Number one was to love God, and number two was to love your neighbor. Both of them relationships. So the power of all of the law and prophets was in that relationship and in love. Love is the capital of relationships. So he simplified it down where you didn't have to go through all of the 50 years of Harvard studying and all these things. You could just go back to what Jesus told you. You didn't have to deal with all of the 600 and something laws. But just in this relationship with God and man, love. Increase your happiness and it'll increase the happiness of those around you. Amen. We're with heads bowed right now. If there's anybody in this place and you said, I've been focusing on the things of this world and I haven't really walked with God as a friend like I should have. That if I really right now in my heart am honest with my own self, haven't been a good friend to God on my end. That he's been waiting there to talk to me. He's been doing right by me. But if I had to evaluate our friendship, I haven't been the type of friend that I should have been. And if today you want to get it right and say, I just want to make a new commitment, that I'm going to be a better friend, that I'm going to be the friend to God that I should be, the type of friend that he deserves. And you want to just make that commitment today to turn around your friendship with God on your end. Because even in the earth realm, we don't want friends that just call us when they need something. It makes us feel used. It makes us I feel like they just want me for what I have. They don't really love me. 
And we don't want God to feel that way. That we just drop on our knees when we get in a jam and get in trouble and we say, Lord, help us. In the earth realm, we don't want friends like that. So why should we try to be a friend like that to God? So if you want to just get it right today and say, I'm going to become the type of friend to God that I want others to be to me. I want to turn it around today. Wait another few seconds. He's shown his love for you. Gave his only begotten son. The one who he loved the most. Sacrificed him for you. Amen, amen. So you all would just... Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for being such a good friend to me. Thank you for listening when I talk to you. Thank you for caring about what I go through. Thank you for loving me even when I haven't been lovable. Thank you for wanting to spend time with me even when I haven't spent the proper time with you. And I make a new commitment today to be a better friend to you. I love you and I declare publicly that I am your friend. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And I'm going to ask Genesis to come and close us in prayer. And stand to your feet. May you please bow your head and close your eyes for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for being the creator of all things. You made us, each and every one of us, the way that you wanted to, with intent and purpose in every piece of our being. Thank you that you love that no matter what. No matter how many times we allow this earth and this world to pervert what you have made, you continue to see what was originally there. You continue to see the potential and you continue to see what is to be loved. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord, that even when we don't understand what relationships should look like, we don't understand what your original creation was between one another. We don't know what the true love of God is and how to truly walk in your shoes, Jesus. Yet please help us to look back to the creator of everything, the creator of marriage, 
the creator of friendship, the creator of fatherhood and motherhood, Father God. You alone know the true purpose, the true beauty in every single thing that you've made, and you never forget it. So help us to always come back to you and to bring everything that we don't find lovable, beautiful, everything that we don't know how to make holy once again. Help us to bring that back to you so we too can be loved by you and we can see more and more into the truth of how you wanted this earth to be, to relate with one another, how you wanted this earth to love. And I say thank you, thank you, thank you for all of the blessings that you have prepared for each and every person under the sound of my voice in that love. It is in your precious, precious Son's name, Jesus Christ, that I pray. Amen. You are listening to BrothersOfTheWord.com. This was the message titled, God is My Friend, by Nathaniel Bronner. This message is number 5972, that's 5972. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 5972 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because brother you need the word. Oh, brothers of the word.